Hello, hello. What's up? What's good? Hey, up. Bonjour, salut. Privyet, ni hao. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting and tenacious and inspiring people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. We have a great show for you today with an incredible human, leader of men, football coach, and author, Kenny Simpson is our guest. Coach Simpson is currently the head football coach at Searcy High High School in Arkansas, the 2019 6A state champs. For his time at Searcy, he was the head coach at Southside Charter and had led Southside to the playoffs for four consecutive seasons and two conference titles in the past three seasons. During his career, he was nominated for the 4A2 Conference Coach of the Year, was a finalist for the Hootens Coach of the Year, and has been the all-star nominee for 4A2 in both 2016 and 2019. In addition to his achievements on the gridiron, Coach Simpson is also an author with several books on football coaching and philosophy, including Find a Way, What I Wish I'd Known When I Became a Head Football Coach. I was super stoked to have Coach on the show. He's incredibly passionate about what he does, and he coaches not for the wins and losses, but to build better men, and he's definitely done that in his time in both Arkansas and Alabama. On today's episode, Coach chats about the challenges that came with coaching during a pandemic and the uncertainty that loomed over every practice and every game. Coach Simpson also discusses how to build culture, especially when moving to a new school, which he did this year. And finally, Coach and I discuss a little bit about his travels. In addition to coaching, he's also helped take several student groups traveling, including a big trip to Europe. Kenny Simpson was a fantastic guest, a man of integrity, but also a man who wants to continue to learn and continue to get better. And there's no greater person for me to talk to than someone with those traits. Thrilled for you guys to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on a football coach and author, Kenny Simpson, and let's learn. Coach Simpson, thank you for being here. First of all, how was the 2020 season and what were some of the challenges that you faced in this unusual year? Well, a lot. Uh, you know, 2020, I think, has been a challenge for a lot of people. So uh, football coach, I had to kind of remind myself that, you know, one, I was blessed to even be able to do what I was doing. And so anytime I wanted to complain, you know, I, I would stop myself and think of all the guys that didn't have the opportunity like I did to, to get to do what they love. And so that made it a little bit easier. Uh, I made it harder on myself individually because I changed jobs in July. And uh, wow. anytime you change jobs as a coach late, that's already going to be hard. But July of 2020 was probably the worst month you could possibly do that. And so um, fortunately for me, I landed in a good spot with some awesome kids and coaches, but it was definitely different. You know, it, it it felt surreal um, on the field. It really is this really happening? You know, there would be games getting canceled the night of the game or the day before. So it, it was always you kind of felt like you were preparing for something that might or might not happen. Yeah. And then even if it was happening, you kept waiting on the rug to be pulled out from underneath you. Mm-hmm. So very very challenging, I think, for everybody. But uh, you know, as a football coach, sometimes we make a game more than it probably needs to be. So I was just I was fortunate to get to do that because I know. Some people were in a much tougher spot than me. Yeah. Well, I want to talk more about the uncertainty that happens as far as you said. Sometimes you're preparing for a game that may or may not happen. And coaches often are there for stability. And you like being the bedrock for kids. You like having the, the structure. Everything's set in stone. Practice times. You know, don't be late. Be on time. You map it out for the entire season. And you enjoy being the stability that kids need. But in certain times, you don't have the answer. So how did you maintain a foundation when you didn't have the final answer? If a kid came to you and had a question, your answer might have been, I don't know. And that's got to be challenging. It is, absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, just an example during our season, you know, week, uh, I don't know, week four or five, the Thursday before a game, you know, we're playing on Friday, I get a call that X many of kids are quarantined. And so now all of a sudden, you know, all your plans getting ready, 
they're out the window. Are we even going to play the game? If we're going to play the game, who's going to be where? And so a lot of those situations as coaches, we're not used to dealing with. And so it really did test how adjustable and adaptable you, you are. Uh, but back to your first point, man, it made it really tough to form relationships when you're supposed to be socially distant, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. And a lot of these kids for me, you know, I had only known four or five weeks and now we're playing games. And so it was a challenge, you know, uh, for sure, because I'm used to kids coming over to my house, we'll watch the game. Uh, you know, we're going to go, my family's going to be around and, um, you know, we're going to do a lot of team bonding type activities. Well, none of that, you know, really could happen. We really, to just because of COVID, I never really met as a group of, as a team, except for very limited amounts of times. Because once you get over 15 minutes, you're now in that quarantine zone mm. where you lose a multitude of kids. And so it made it very, very difficult, I think. Uh, it was definitely not as enjoyable as your normal season um, because of all the uncertainty. And, and as a coach, it really challenged you. But I think there were a lot of good things that came out of it. You know, I think that uh, coaches a lot of times learn that um, you better be able to adjust and make quick uh, adapt quickly adapt on the fly and and also I think sometimes uh, we were wasting time as coaches because we felt that was something we we're supposed to do and 2020 kind of exposed you know what do you really have to do it made you really prioritize yeah what was important yeah what was the hardest small habits to overcome whether it be even a fist bump high five or or just sharing sharing a water jug what were some of the hardest things that you're like dang I keep getting to do this yeah well I mean <laughs> all of it you know I, I <laughs> You're trying to talk to kids with a mask and you pull it down and, and uh, you know, going to water. You know, we had to figure out how we were going to distribute water to kids during a game, you know, and how we're going to do it during practice. And you had to figure out, you know, we didn't want them in the locker room very long. So we had to go through and do all this, you know, all this different stuff. It just made it uh, everything you think you would normally not have to think about, you had to think about. Like, where we're going to sit them on a bus because a kid is – test positive. You don't want to have your quarterback sit next to your other quarterbacks sit next to your starting running back. So you had to kind of, how can we spread them out on the bus? How can we spread them in the locker room? Wow. What coach, what if I get COVID, you know, who's going to step in for me? What if this coach gets it? Who's going to step in for them? You know? And so it made you kind of think all those things through and, and it, it was difficult. That's incredible. Especially the transportation thoughts, because typically everybody's in their units, right? Running backs over here. And I mean, you want to spread them out. That's, that's incredible. During that time of uncertainty, who do you look to or where do you turn to for advice? Because this is an unprecedented time. So maybe even your mentors or allies don't have the information, but who do you turn to during this time? Well, man, there's a lot of times that social media is not a good place to go to find information. <laughs> this, although, was one of those times where it was a good place yeah. to go. Because coaches, you know, most coaches maybe they're not really wearing, willing to share all their X's and O's and that. But most coaches are pretty willing to share, hey, we did this. Yeah. And here's why we did this. You know, we went to a game week one. Coach had five-gallon buckets that had gotten donated to him from somewhere where every kid had their bucket, their mask went in their bucket, their water jug went in their bucket. Then they spread them out six feet on the sideline. I went, okay, we're going to steal that. You know, and so you started to see these where coaches would start to collaborate. Uh, social media was a big one on those. It was an easy way to kind of connect. But you also would just phone calls and everything else. And, and really the guys who – had the advantage weren't the old guys. You know, I was calling a lot of younger coaches to mm. figure out how to work with Zoom, you know, how to have a meeting on Google, you know, all that stuff that older guys are, are going to be at a massive disadvantage. Yeah. 
aside from this season, when it comes to joining a new club, a new team, how do you develop the trust? And we'll, we'll throw this season out. We'll talk about just typically, traditionally, how do you develop trust when you're the new coach coming into a new team? Well, one, you know, they've got to recognize you bring value to them. I mean, ultimately, uh, they have to understand you know what you're talking about. And so uh, we, there's a lot of ways you can get there, you know, but if you don't have a vision of where you want to go, what you want your team to look like, then they're not going to buy into you. You know, so I ask a lot of times, how do you get them to buy in? Well, you have to have something worth buying. You know, and so to me, they have to understand, one, I care about you beyond what we're doing. I want what's best for you. Of course, I've got to look out for these other 80 guys on the team, you know, to make sure I'm taking care of them as well. But I think a lot of it is time spent. I mean, that's the only way kids now will trust you is they recognize that you care about them while they're in your program. You know, I'll go watch usually, not during COVID, but usually I'll go watch all the basketball games. I'll go watch the baseball games. You'll watch – the band concert, you, you've got to be fully invested in your program, in your school, and in their lives. You know, if they're doing something, hey, coach, we're doing this thing, and we're going to go do that. And so I think it's just time spent, you know, and that's an old adage everywhere. You know, people don't care about what you know until they know that you care about them. Yeah, and, you know, you're right about that. I can remember times when you would be at one sport and your coach from that sport would come out to another one is a small thing. And even if they're there for a quarter or for a few innings, you still were like, that's so cool. And it meant a lot to me as a kid. So I respect and appreciate that. You and I chatted before about information and sharing information. And there's very few football coaches who write down and write books and write down and choose to share information. In the past, coaches tended to want to keep that information themselves, I think, for fear of losing an edge on the competition. But despite that, you've written several books on football. So why why do you feel the need to give up your secrets? Why do you feel the need to write? Well, one, you know, there's two, there's really two different ways you can share information. Most coaches I have found are pretty willing to share organizational information because that's helping a young coach get organized and run his program, you know, and then you start to see, you started to kind of see in the weight world, you know, a lot of these strength gurus were willing to share their information and, the last straw, you know, was always going to be X's and O's. You know, all coaches kind of think we've got the secret sauce, you know, to help our team win, and we want to be as creative as we can. Um, and I get asked this a lot. You know, my wife asks me, are you sure you want to do this? You know, coaches ask the same thing. So well, the reality is we can all turn the film on. I mean, it's, it's 2020 now. If I want to get your film of everything you've done, it would take maybe one or two phone calls. Yeah. Not going to take very much, and then I can draw it up, and I've got it. And so to me, why are we hiding this? You know, we're all copying each other, mimicking each other. And the great coaches, I think, know that the reality is X's and O's are important, but that's not why you win games. You win games because of the culture you build, camaraderie you build with your kids, situation you put them in, and you're able to adapt and adjust, and you're going to get your kids to, to fight hard for you. You know, I think it's Randy Jackson, one of the guys I read his books, he does a great job. Culture defeats strategy. I think that's the big thing is – X's and O's are great, but um, there's a lot more to winning football games than just that. Yeah. Did you enjoy the writing process? The first time I did not. Uh, <laughs> the first time it took me about seven or eight years. Oh, wow. uh, I was writing. I didn't know I was writing a book. I just started writing this stuff down. I'm kind of ADD, and so I would bounce around and come back to it and then leave it alone and come back to it. And uh, Finally sat down over Christmas break, probably two Christmas breaks ago, and so I'm going to finish this, get it organized, get it done. I don't mind PowerPoints. I don't mind organizational stuff. I'm not ever going to write a novel. I'm not creative enough for that. And so that part was tough for me. Uh, so finding my wife, uh, she's a graphic design lady, and then my mother-in-law is an English teacher. 
And then my mother is really good at kind of helping figure out how to market things. That's not my strength. And so those three ladies really kind of pushed me and helped me do it. And then since then, I've found it to be enjoyable. It's not so much enjoyable, the process of writing. I do think that does help me grow to put things out there. It, obviously, you learn the most when you're the one doing the, mm-hmm. the learning or the speaking or the whatever. But I've really enjoyed the fact that it's helping other people. And so that's encouraged me to do more and more. You've mentioned culture a few times, and you've had a long and successful career in Arkansas. So aside from the X's and O's, how is coaching and focusing on culture, how has that changed during your career? And what aspects of working with young men now is a lot more challenging than what it was when you first started? Oh, uh, that's two good, two good questions. I'm going to go to the last one first. Yeah. Um, you know, as unfortunately there are good and bad things in the new generation, I think a lot of times we focus always on the bad, you know, on the bad. I'll say the good parts of them, this generation is way more accepting than my generation ever was. That's such a great thing to be around. You know, I used to have to worry about, you know, is this kid not going to accept this kid because he's wearing a pink shirt or he's got tattoos or he's got, you don't really see that as much with this generation. So that part has been awesome. Unfortunately, some of the parts you've got to deal with is there's an inherent individualism or selfishness uh, that can come and that, that really can hinder a lot of teams. And so that's something that's been around forever, but it's with social media highlighting individual performances with elite teams where these guys go with people fighting for scholarships. It's turning team sports a lot of times into individual sports. And that's been something that I know is a new unique challenge, at least to me. And, and, and fortunately, for me, football is a pretty team-oriented sport, but I couldn't imagine trying to coach basketball in the current climate because how you're trying to get these kids to be unselfish and work for each other has been difficult. The other thing you'll start to see, uh, you know, is the lack of uh, male role models these kids have. Unfortunately, that's a downward trend, and so a lot of times coaches are having to fill in those gaps. Not having to, we're, we're, we're getting to, and it's an awesome, and it's a powerful, and it's a very humbling responsibility that to know that you might be the only male role model in that young man's life makes it a lot more hard to kick a kid off a team or to just dispose of somebody because they're an inconvenience. Uh, And so that's been tough. It puts me in a lot of difficult decisions of having to figure out what's best for that kid. And then what's best for these other 79, 78 kids as we try to lead them going forward. So I don't know if that's a long answer for you, but that's something stuff I think about a lot is that a lot of times we might be their last kind of the end of the rope for a lot of these kids if they're going to finish school. I love it. What do you know now that you wish you had known when you first started coaching? The power of my words. You know, as I was a young coach at 27, and I had young children. I'm a father now, and they're growing up. But I said some things as a young man that I didn't mean to be ugly. It just was about their performance. I didn't quite recognize the power of those words. And I didn't know that until kids would come back later and some good and bad, you know, I'm not saying it was all bad, uh, but some good and some bad, the kids would come back and tell stories that I don't remember. I mean, I, I really honestly cannot remember it, but it was with that kid for the next 15 years. And so you start to go, Whoa, so what else am I saying to these kids that they're taking with them? It's going to be something they remember the rest of their life. I think that's the one thing that coaches need to recognize is the, it's, it's an awesome and great thing, but it's also a humbling and scary thing is the influence you have over these young men. Oh, fantastic answer. Who are the individuals and leaders in your life that have impacted you the most throughout your career? Whew, man, that's tough. The coach community is pretty cool. You know, 
I'll tell you what, Twitter and Facebook groups and all this stuff, I didn't even know existed until about two years ago. Mm-hmm. When I found it, man, I started to find these really awesome guys and I would connect them, call them, and they, they would return my call. And I was like, this is kind of cool, you know? And um, so to me, there's a couple of guys that I've read their books and their material that I don't know them real well, but I know I respect a lot from the outside looking in. Uh, then there's people that are in my own life that I think have had a big impact on me. You know, one is my wife. You know, I, I really think that uh, there are a lot of times I could have gone a lot of different ways and most of them weren't, weren't going to be good, you know. <laughs> and But one thing I did well was I chose a good person to be with that would challenge me. You know, I think a lot of times uh, as coaches, um, you know, people love you when you're winning and they don't love you when you're losing. And you need somebody at home to kind of balance you out. When you're winning, they need to humble you. And when you're not winning, they need to encourage you. And so finding that person, for me, fortunately, I married that person. For other people, it may be another coach, a brother, a family member, but that's important to find that person. Yeah. With the guests that I've talked to, the 2020, it was challenging, of course, but it was also important because of the evolution, the adaptation, new skills learned. So for you, in what ways are you better, are you stronger now as, as both a person, human, and as a coach? I'll tell you what, uh, you know, for me um, – Quarantine wasn't as bad as it could be, you know, because I got to be close with my family and my kids. And so I think that that it changed my perspective a lot. You know, uh, I want to win games. I want to win championships. That's what we're paid to do. And ultimately, if we don't do that, they usually don't let us keep our job. That being said, I've recognized that my family will always be more important than whatever that is. And so, um, you know, we, we made a move in the middle of all of this because I think a lot of it came down to as long as I'm with these five people, I don't care if we live in Alaska, I don't care if we live in Hawaii, I don't care if we live in this part of Arkansas or that part of Arkansas, that's what's important. And um, it kind of gave me a new perspective. I think a lot of people getting to stay home and spend time with their loved ones also realized who's really important to you, you know, and, and it's those people that you spent time with probably during quarantine. You know, those are the most important people in your life. So that to me was, I think, a way I grew quite a bit. I can tell you're a very introspective and philosophical person who, who's intelligent and loves to learn. So what are the, the books that you've read recently in the last year that have influenced you the most? Well, uh, like I mentioned, Randy Jackson's book, he did culture, uh, defeat strategies, he's actually written two of them. Mm-hmm. I got the first one right when I was finished writing mine, connected with him. And then I've read his second one. And both those are, are great books. They're very, I, I'm a very, um, you know, I like, things that are kind of straight to the point, you know, tell a story that's awesome, but get to the meat of the matter pretty quickly. He's got some good stuff. I've read a lot of football books that are out there. Um, but really, you know, to me, um, a lot of podcasts, I've, I've gotten more into listening to guys talk, especially I love hearing a coach talk about relationships with his players or what he does off of the field. And so, uh, just hearing some of these guys talk about it has been great for me. And something you can have it on the background and not have to really, a lot of times I'm actually, what's funny is I'm actually writing some of my material, but I'm listening to these guys and they're still filling me with a lot of ideas. I'm curious on this one. This is a question I ask coaches all the time. And who are the best athletes you've ever seen on a field that you were on the same field? So here in Arizona, the best uh, athletes I've ever seen, uh, Everson Griffin, D-line in the NFL, and he played, he played tight end here in high school. Um, Prince Mukamara, who's defensive back for the New York Giants, he was Mr. Everything for a high school here. Those are the top two. So for you, who are the top two guys you've been on a field with, or top three guys you've been on the field with in your career? Man, that's tough. Um, and I coached in Alabama for a while. So uh, at least one of the kids is from there. Now, he was young. Okay. Probably the, probably seven or eight or nine years old, but you could instantly tell this kid's going to be a Division One athlete. And 
He actually is playing for the Lions now. His name is Kirion Johnson. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Seven-year-old, I coached his brother and then watched him play a little youth sports. And you can tell. And that's when I knew really quickly that these kids that want to be D1, you can tell pretty quickly yeah. if they're going to be that or not. Yeah. When we actually played against a couple of years ago, I was at Southside. We did a kickoff classic against Warren and played against Traylon Burks. He's now a sophomore at Arkansas. And my son, we were watching the game last night, just talking about football. And he said, Dad, I hope the Dolphins draft Traylon. He's a stud, and and he was unbelievable. And so uh, I've got to see him play. I've got to see some good ones. I'm actually getting a coach one right now who I think is a pretty special one. His name's Daniel Perry. Um, He had like 27 touchdowns for us this year at the 6A level. These are pretty special ones I'm excited to see. I get him one more year. And then I'll get to see kind of where his journey will take him. So another thing you've done, you've led school trips overseas. Now that just sounds like a lot of logistical problems, a school trip overseas. It's hard enough to take him to a field trip down to the mall. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Um, you know, I came across that back in about 2013 or so. Uh, went through a company that does school trips. And uh, we took 36 kids and some adults to uh, we went. We decided we we're going to just kind of go on with a bang. And so we did London, Paris, and Rome. Ooh in a week. Wow. And I think we slept four hours a night, you know, we did the overnight train, all of that. And, and I, I kind of got addicted to it. I said, man, this is awesome. It was so awesome to watch the faces, not just of the kids, you know, you're talking 50, 60 year old people that the first time they've seen the Eiffel tower or they mm-hmm. had seen Notre Dame, or they had seen the Coliseum. So, man, I, I, I want to do this. And so I've been on five or six of them now. And uh, one of the cooler parts, I've taken my wife on several, um, but I took my daughter uh, with me to Italy. So watching her get to see all of these things. I took my son. Uh, we didn't go international. But I took him to New York City and Washington, D.C. And then I've got one coming up. We'll see. I have a feeling it's going to get pushed back. Uh, but we're going to go to Paris and Spain. And my daughter has never been to Paris. It's on her list. And I'm actually going to get to be with her to watch her experience that. I'm excited about it. My favorite city in the world. Which were the, the, the cities and locations that uh, you still wake up thinking about? I am uh, very personal to Italy. Okay. I've always been that way. Now, Paris, my daughter will love, but nothing to me beats Rome or Pompeii. You know, getting to go to the, that ancient city was unbelievable. And what was the, the, the first food order? You're like, you know what? I'm here. I'm finally in Italy. I'm finally in Rome. I've got to have the lasagna, the chicken parm. What was it? We went to, to me, I would have picked, uh, I would have picked fettuccine Alfredo, but okay, okay. we went, we go to this place in, in Italy and they bring out a pizza and our table instantly pushes it to the middle to start sharing. Like, no, you get your own one. Like, what? <laughs> so that to me, you know, there's something very different about uh, the way they cook in Italy. You just can't replicate it here in America. What was the hardest logistical aspect of moving 30, 50 humans across international lines? Man, I was terrified at the airport. That okay. was the scariest part for me to get them all through because, you know, you're having to go through different lines, mm-hmm. open all their passports, go, especially like if you go, if you're in an international airport where you're trying to go from like for Amsterdam, we seem to always fly into Amsterdam and it feels like they're going to strip search you I and mean, they're hardcore there. Yeah. Got these 15 year old kids that you're like, man, I, can I keep them near me just so I can see them? You know, so that part's tough. Uh, you know, the good thing about a lot of those companies is they, they provide a guide and they provide somebody who's there all the time. And so that, that takes a lot off of you, but it yeah. still doesn't mean you don't get nervous. You know, we uh, were in Paris the first year. Fortunately, it was an adult. He was actually the board president of the school. He was with me and he forgot where we were meeting. 
And so we're having to send a bus on ahead of us, and I'm going to have to meet him, and we're going to try to read through French on how to get back to the hotel. But fortunately, he made it back right in time and still talk about that story a lot with him. I said, I'm going to leave you. You do know that. I got your son. He was on the bus. You were going to be stuck. How much did Paranoia drive? How many times you counted your group? Because I'm sure it was you were constantly counting. Yeah. Make sure you had the right numbers. You don't want to. You, you want to make sure you have the same amount that you came with. So how much did that, was that a factor? Every time, every time if we got off in London, you know, we get off the uh, one of those uh, long, I don't know what the, the train, little train things they have, and I count 35. Like, I know we got 36. Where's the next one? Where's it? Yeah. On the bus, he'd fall asleep on the bus. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> you get those stories, but there's a reason we had all those protocols. That's one good thing we've been a football coach is, you know, I'm going to be pretty organized on that stuff. That's incredible. It makes me think of one year we coached. The grades hit us pretty bad, so we only had like 15 suited. So it was the only time in my life that when you were counting 11 on the field, instead of counting 11 on the field, we just turned to silence and said, one, two, three, yep. four, all right, we're good. So. We're good. We're good. Yeah, that's what you – know, I'm used to counting. I can count to 11 pretty quick. New year, 2021, what are the goals, projects, plans that you have? Well, you know, I'm trying to finish up my system stuff. And so I've you know put a lot of stuff out on the gun tee and, and I'm trying to kind of finish that up because I love X's and O's. I'm a coach. We kind of all are drawn to it. But I really want to finish that up because the next step for me, I really want to get into mentoring coaches. That's kind of something that's been on my heart to do. And I've, I'm getting to do a couple clinics, uh, head coaching clinics virtually. My goal is when COVID leaves or we vaccinated or whatever we're going to do to get rid of it, uh, as I would love to go in and sit down with coaching staff, especially younger coaches, and just kind of share more of a more of a don't do this list, but kind of get in there. I think that's a, a growth on my uh, to me. That's where I want to get. I want to get to the point where I can help this next generation of coaches because I mean, there's some pretty awesome guys that are coming up through, and it's fun to watch them up close. Uh, but I'd love to be able to have an impact, you know, maybe a larger impact. Yeah. Well, I think it's a tremendous resource and you'd be a great, great individual for that. How can people find your book? Uh, well, if you're on Twitter, it's just FB Coach Simpson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've got a website, fbcoachsimpson.com. I've kind of tried to keep it <laughs> a theme there. Smart, smart, very smart. Yeah. It helps. And then fbcoachsimpson at gmail.com is my email if people want to email me and um, and then kind of go through there. And, and my books are on Amazon as well. They are more comfortable ordering through there. Coach, this was fantastic. This was fantastic. I'd love to chat again as your, as your season gets moving and, and check on you in 2021 see what else is going on. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Coach Simpson. Lots of different ways you can check him out. First start off his website, fbcoachsimpson.com. Give him a follow on social. Pick up his books. You can buy his books from his website or on Amazon. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.